0: Hello and welcome to episode 70 of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your host, Colin Cudmore, and we're back once again with another episode of Draft Debaters. I'm fortunate to be joined by two more fantastic scouts today. If this is your first time tuning into one of these episodes, um, I've picked apart these guys' lists and they'll state their case as to why they're high or low on certain players. So uh, let me introduce you to who we have on the podcast today as on my virtual left. He's a contributing writer to Dauber Prospects as well as Draft Geek Hockey. Welcome to the show, Brandon Holmes. Brandon, how's it going? Hey Colin, going pretty good, thanks for having us. Awesome, thanks, uh, really happy to have you on the show today, as on my virtual right, you have a good competitor as well, it's your podcast co-host, he's the first ever Australian to join the Cost Per Pointcast, he's also writing for Dauber Prospects, welcome to the show, Ashley Glover. Ashley, how's it going?
1: Yeah, good buddy, good, 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 look forward to this, a uh, bit of hockey chat on a Saturday morning.
0: Yeah, for sure, and glad to have you guys on. Um, but before we start, I just want to give a shout out to your guys' podcast that you host together called Painting Prospects. I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, I listened to the first few episodes, and um, you guys do everything from in-depth prospect analysis to uh, you even had some player interviews on your, on your last episode, so I'm pitting the co-hosts against each other, but I'm really happy to have you guys on today. So just a little bit about the episode format. Uh, I've picked apart both of your draft lists uh, that you've posted fairly recently, And I've chosen four players who are eligible for the 2020 draft who uh, you disagree on the most. So you'll each have a chance to state your case as for why you're for or against that prospect, um, then followed by a chance to give your rebuttal. So uh, let's start with the first player on my list, and that is Jack Quinn. So you guys have spent the first couple episodes of your podcast diving into uh, OHL prospects. And uh, Jack Quinn may have been... um, one of the more disagreed players between you guys and one of the more familiar prospects even to Suns fans uh, as as Quinn plays for the local Ottawa 67s. Uh, so he's a right winger. Uh, he exploded offensively this season with 52 goals in 62 games. Quite a, a lot of scoring going on. Um, but in terms of his rankings for the consensus, he's been um, pretty consistently a riser throughout the second half of the season, especially. Uh, And it's now pretty much a walk to be in the first round. So, uh, Brandon, you're on the higher end of the rankings. You have him at 13th, whereas Ashley, uh, you have him 10 spots down at 23rd. So, uh, starting with Brandon, uh, what's your case for Jack Quinn?
2: Well, I remember back in December, I was tweeting out that a lot of people were sleeping on how strong of a player Jack Quinn was. And uh, following that, I remember in his next 14 games after that, he exploded with 20 goals and 31 points, which... I yeah. think around that time is what really started putting him on the map and started giving this kid a lot of legitimate first-round buzz. Mm-hmm. Um, what you're getting with this kid is you're getting a potent goal scoring forward with no shortage of offensive weapons. Uh, he's got a lethal shot, and he can stack up with anybody in this draft class in terms of how good of his shot is. Uh, he can beat net ironers from distance, pick corners. It uh, has really good power and velocity behind his shot as well um mm-hmm. you go to his puck skills he has some really quick deceptive hands he can open up space the offensive zone and create lanes to the net with how he can kind of cut through defenses with his hands and he's a very fast and agile skater as well which is nice because he can create off the rush so he's he has that kind of dual threat ability as both an end zone attacker and a uh, player that can create off the rush and kind of change the game just in one shift to one rush down the ice uh but i think most importantly he's a really intelligent attacker as well and he knows how to find soft spots on the ice and recognize attacking lanes and uh you saw this season, in Ottawa. He uh, he showed the ability of carrying his own line on the on the offensive side of the puck. Uh, mm-hmm. When he played five on five, was mostly with Mitchell Holscher, who was a Devils draft pick, I believe, in the sixth round, and uh, Jack Beck, who was more of a uh, depth role on that '67's team. And he really only played with Ottawa's other top guns on the power play this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and in addition to being a high-end offensive player, he showed he's a capable 200 foot player as well. And he doesn't often sacrifice defensive play in favor of offense because he supports pucks well in his own zone and Ottawa actually used him fairly frequently this season on their on their penalty kill mm-hmm. um, and I think what you're really getting with him is you're getting just a very capable all-around package of smarts but most importantly you're drafting this kid to be a goal scorer which 52 goals this season in the OHL is nothing to scoff at at all.
0: For sure and, and to Ashley is your assessment of Quinn any different than that?
1: Not, not overly different I mean Um, the goal-scoring ability um, and the talent there offensively is evident. I mean, you can't discredit anyone who pots 52 goals in OHL season. The only reason for the difference, basically, in the ranking, um, Brandon 13, myself 23, is when I look at a prospect, um, there's different... Obviously, we all look at, you know, skating, um, hockey senses, hands, etc., But for me, what I also look at is if – not if, but when sometimes prospects don't pan out, um, especially higher picks, it's often because what their best skill or trait is that we evaluate them on, and Quinn's being uh, goal scoring. If and when that doesn't translate um, at the next level, what else can that player provide? With Quinn, you get – A solid 200-foot player. We know that. He can play the penalty kill. He's got good puck senses. Um, The reason he's low for me is basically if his shot isn't working for him and he drove the line well this season, um, as Brandon said, but mostly that is, you know, sort of just scoring. Uh, There wasn't a whole lot of... um, you know, dynamic playmaking as such, more so setting up, you know, setting up his teammates. It's more so him finding his own puck or receiving the puck and scoring. So my question is, with Jack Quinn, if there is a time where his shot isn't working or, um, how can I say it? But if the shot isn't working, what else can he provide you? Like, we know he can uh, kill penalties. Um, But just as a playmaker, um, driving a line, I don't think... The ceiling is there to probably warrant, say, I know he's. I've seen him pop up in the top 10, top 15 a fair bit um, in mocks and rankings. But I don't know if the, the true playmaking creativity is there yet. And I think having a later birthday, it, he can't help that. I don't hold that against him. Mm. I think there's other guys possibly ahead of him that I have ranked that are a bit younger who, when we look at in 12 months' time, will have probably an overall better package when it comes to playmaking and creativity.
0: Yeah, it's definitely an interesting way of looking at it, especially uh, um, with with Quinn, especially just being so reliant on his goal scoring. Uh, not 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 to call him a one-trick pony, but it's definitely something that he's very reliant on uh, for his skill set. And, and speaking of that goal scoring, um, I mean, in terms of, I just want to go back to Brandon on, on this because uh, he did have a bit, a bit of a higher shooting percentage this season. He shot uh, over 21% the ohl and i'm just wondering if you think that's more of a a testament to his his great shot or his excellent scoring abilities or do you think there's a bit of luck tied into that or maybe a combo of both and do you think or is that maybe even cause for a little bit of concern
2: i mean there always could be a little bit of both but i mean when you're talking about a shooter of uh, quinn's talent i think you're always going to see a bit of a higher shooting percentage uh you kind of see that in the NHL with. Uh, some of the higher end goal scorers like Austin Matthews, like he's always going to have a higher shooting percentage than other players because his shot is just simply better. So I think there is some of that at play, but uh, obviously you're drafting Quinn to be a goal scorer. And um, I, I know Ashley does have some reservations with his playmaking ability, but I, I don't, I wouldn't say he is, he's a bad playmaker. I think he's capable. Um, his vision and his passing ability uh, can be quite crisp at times. And um, when you look at his goals to, assist ratio, it does uh compare a little bit to some previous prospects that haven't been out in the past, like say Jonah Gadovich or mm-hmm. Jake Bertan, who had these gaudy point totals in the CHL, um, but didn't quite translate because they didn't have that playmaking ability. But uh the way I look at it is I think it's a little overblown if you look at that because uh Quinn put 52 goals this year and he only had I believe 37 assists. If you if you break it down, where if Quinn had a thir- he had 37 goals just to match his 37 assists, he's still well over point per game. He's still a dynamic offensive player, and players like Gadovich and Vertanen, they wouldn't quite pass that test if you did the same thing to him. Where if you have their goals and assists match, they'd fall well below their point their point per game totals. Uh, and I think that's a testament to how creative of a player Quinn is, and how much of an offensive catalyst he is beyond just being a goal scorer. Is he has this all around offensive toolkit where he can be a playmaker, but you're drafting him to be as a goal scorer, and he did it in bushels this year in the OHL.
0: Totally. Uh, another thing I want to point out with Quinn is that because he was on the 67s, I mean, they were definitely a powerhouse team uh, this past year. So I guess go back to Ashley just for the last rebuttal. Uh, do you disagree at all with, with I guess you, you pointed out already about uh, disagreement with, with Quinn's uh, potential rankings, but just being on the 67s and, and having guys like Marco Rossi on the power play with him and even guys like Noel Hoffenmayer on defense to help him out. Uh, do you think that affects your rankings of, of Quinn at all?
1: No, primarily because, um, you know, five on five, he was able to still produce away from Marco Rossi and, and the power play. Um, when it, I, I, I tend to look more at um, even strength rates, you know, prime rates, mm-hmm. even strength, because he's more a, a repetitive stat. Um, but also just with Jack Quinn, sort of re- coming back to what Brandon was saying, I mean... Um. Yeah, like I, I'm not really comparing him to Gajevic or or Vitanen, but yeah, I, I think just the overall package with Jack Quinn, it can be really enticing to have that solid goal scorer. But I just think there's more guys around that area in that group that have the advantage of possibly being younger and having. Um, some more development time. And one thing too is he did have 10 even strength assists, which isn't anything to sneeze at. Um, But just for me, viewing him, I mean, the shot's great. Love it. One thing I'm a bit wary of is I know heat maps are a bit sketchy and you can't watch every single game they play, but a lot of the goals he got are around, you know, they're good areas there. You know, they're sort of the dirty areas there, the low slot. But for me, when I look at a guy that scores 52 goals, I want to see how many ways he can score. I want to see what variety, where can he score from? What type of weapon can he produce? Can he sort of, you know, get to the circles and score? Can he, once he gets to the hashes, does he have that big slapper that you can actually be wary of? And with Quinn, I don't really see that. I see a guy that's more crafty in and around the goal, will fight for, for the dirty areas, but... At the same time i want to see more i want to see can jack quinn be that explosive guy that you can't leave alone you know from the hashes and down is he that type of guy i don't necessarily think so yet um but we'll see i mean he's going to get drafted and then that's where the work then comes in for him to basically not prove me wrong but to prove himself right and to and to build on his game
0: for sure and i mean it is I guess it's in the spirit of draft evaders to have this kind of disagreement and get these different perspectives from from scouts who have, who can all definitely have different viewings of of, uh, of the same player. And I mean, it, at the same time, you guys both still have him in the first round. He's a very talented player who wasn't in the first round of many boards at the beginning of the season. So it's a uh, uh, good to see how he's progressed throughout the year. But I want to move on to the second prospect of discussion today, and that's uh, another forward in Zion Nybeck. Uh, so just to be perfectly transparent here, I've actually been pretty high on Nybeck myself all season, so hopefully I don't come off as biased. But uh, Nybeck's a winger. He comes from Sweden in the in the Super Elite League, uh, where he played on HV71 with uh, Emil André, who we discussed last episode. So uh, he's currently uh, projected to be taken in the back half of the first round. Um, and Ashley, you have him ranked 20th and, uh, Brandon, you have him ranked 30th. So again, a 10 spot difference, same as Quinn. Uh, but I really had to search you guys list for some differences because, uh, turns out you guys actually kind of agree on quite a few players. So uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll start with Ashley this time. Uh, what about Nybeck's game has you in, um, has him in in your top 20?
1: Well, with, with Nybeck, the thing with Brandon and I were talking about this earlier, actually, is that we're actually probably not that far apart, um, you know, that sort of 20 to 30 mm-hmm. range. There's a lot of guys that you can basically flip and you'd sort of be okay with. But the, the difference as Brandon will say, Nick after me, but for me, Nybeck, I mean, you're talking a guy that had 66 points in the super elite. That's the most this decade. Um, the two next best, um, small sample on over is Willem Carlson and Andreas Johnson. So he's in good company there. Um, the detractors often are about, you know, say people say he's small. He is, but he's stocky. And the only reason why I don't take size into, um, I don't, you know, discredit away from a player is because he knows how to play bigger. He's not afraid to make contact to win his own pucks. He's not afraid mm-hmm. to actually engage or to actually take a hit to make a play. The only time when size comes a concern is when a player doesn't know how to play above their size. And with Nybeck, he plays well and truly above his size. I think he's going to add more strength. Um, He's strong in his skates. You know, for a shorter guy, sometimes they can get pushed off balance easily or um, they're shy, you know, of making contact. But he's got really good core and leg strength. He he powers powers through some hits. He's not afraid to go in um, on the forecheck or the backcheck and make hits. Really good shot. Um, I love the fact that, He's got a, a really good release off either wing. It doesn't really matter which wing he's playing off. Um, quick, sharp release. I mean, he's got one of the the better shots of the uh, of, of the European uh, junior players. Um, but for me, there's no real concerns. I mean, I was saying before with Brandon that if he's probably five eleven, that we're probably talking Nybeck in more a you know definite top twenty, top fifteen sort of prospect because. There's no doubting the tools are there. He got 15 SHL games in at the end of the season, playing limited minutes, still managed to score a goal. Um, he's been consistent all the way from under-16s, under-18s at the international level. There's a really good sample there against his peers. Um, his skating's good. He's got good creativity with his hands. Um, sometimes I question his, his actual playmaking a bit. I think he can try and force plays a bit. But, you know, he's... You know, when we're talking prospects, every prospect's got a flaw. I mean, it's not a major one. It can be corrected. But for me, Nybeck, so I actually look and sometimes I feel bad for having him at 20 because I think he's one of the legitimate um, best junior scorers and, just, and uh, playmakers in this class.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that he's kind of in the same range for both of you guys, 20th to 30th. So, uh for for Brandon, um are you less convinced on Ibeck as a prospect or is it just more of a matter of preferring other players a bit more?
2: Uh I th- I think Ash said it very well actually. so I have a, a lot of the same viewpoint as him. He's, you know, uh he's a quick, skilled player, really good shot. And I don't think there's any debating any of those qualities to his game and uh mm-hmm. like Ash said he's he is a smaller player, but he plays well above his size he's actually a very chippy player very competitive um and i think i might just have uh, just more reservations with some of the aspects of his hockey sense and how translatable some of uh his methods of creating offense will be when the competition gets a little better at the pro level um at times i find nybeck is a little prone to turning the puck over and throwing the puck away under pressure uh i find his poise under pressure isn't always quite up to snuff. And in those moments I find he tries to rely too much on his puck skills rather than utilizing his teammates to get out of trouble. And that's what leads to some offensive turnovers and some loss of possession. And um, now I believe these issues, like Ash said, are there issues that could be ironed out and it doesn't stop Zion from being in my first round. But uh, I think it is kind of a numbers game because like there's, there's just simply players I had ahead of them in my rankings that, I think are, they do a better job of facilitating offense as part of a team game. And I think that could translate a little more smoothly to the NHL, where if you look at a player maybe like Lucas Reichel or Maverick Bork, I think they do a better job of utilizing teammates and creating offense off of that. So I think there's some more translatable skills there, but I don't really have a lot of reservations with Nybeck in terms of putting him in my first round.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to watch the perception of Nybeck as the season's gone on. He actually started pretty high on a lot of boards. He weirdly even seemed to fall down a bit as the season went on. So I guess, uh, back to Ashley, do you think there's any reason for that possibly? And I guess uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is is just that because he spent the entire, most of the season in the Super League instead of the SHL, do you think that uh, maybe that was a contributing factor that he couldn't really break in full-time into the SHL? I mean, I, I don't... <laughs>
1: In a way, you know, playing three, four minutes in the SHL, to me, it, it's fine. It's good to get a taste. But as a whole, I, I don't see it as a a real litmus test for, you know, especially a guy mm-hmm. that is playing such a small amount of minutes um, in a men's league. I, I think that he earned it and he really had a really solid super elite season. I mean, there's no doubt that it was great to see him in the SHL, Um But at the end of the day, we're not really assessing him on his SHL performance at all. I mean, it's sort of like an icing on the cake, a bit of a reward, Mm. if anything, for a super elite season. But um, one thing too, like as Brandon said, he plays above his size and he's chippy. Sometimes I have noticed when he's in the offensive cycle sometimes that um, he can sometimes... I mean, in the open ice through the neutral zone, he, he seems to be more willing to hit. But when it comes to being in the offensive cycle sometimes, that it's almost like he's too puck conscious, that he puck watches a lot. And that's sometimes when he actually gets bumped off the puck. I think when he's hounding the puck and he's chasing the play, I think he's a much better hitter. And I think that's when he plays at his best. But sometimes I notice when he is on the puck and he's trying to work, you know, passing seams and find angles that he can almost get sort of stuck sort of in this sort of rut where he is almost too conscious of thinking ahead. And that's when he can either get bumped off the puck or he gets squeezed for room. And then that's where the size can be a bit detrimental because you get squeezed for room. He has got the edge work and the speed and um, the vision to sort of get out of those areas, but not having the bigger frame, it's harder to actually, you know, bully your way through those areas. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean that that that's really the big elephant when it comes to Nybeck, is just that he is a 5'8 eight player, uh, who will if he, if he makes NHL will have to survive as one of the shorter players. So I guess for Brandon, um, you, you mentioned that he's already is is a good player who can play above his size. But uh, do you feel like there's, there's anything else he should be able to do to improve his game, uh, just to be able to make it as one of the small players?
2: Uh, I think uh, it's kind of like I said. I think he needs to improve. Kind of that hockey sense and that ability to play within a team concept because you see some of these smaller players when they come in like yeah some of them can rely on their on their skating or their skill but a lot of them uh, they they make their size irrelevant by how they're out, how well they're able to use their teammates um, it's hard to hit a guy if it doesn't have the puck on him, you know what I mean so um, if he's able to better utilize his teammates where you know he doesn't always need to have the puck in his hands and he can dish it off to a teammate and find some open space for himself and just keep possession of the puck i think that's a way where a smaller player can find success in the nhl is if you know when he comes out of junior hockey he's not relying so much on having to do everything himself and he can get better within that team
0: concept Totally. Yeah, so he's definitely been one of my favorite players to watch this season just because of of his chippiness, as you guys mentioned, of course, the the scoring backs up pretty well. But uh, I want to move on to the third prospect I want to discuss today, and uh, that's another European player in Alexander Nikishin. Uh, He's a Russian defenseman. Uh, He shoots left, um, and instead of playing in the MHL like most Russian junior prospects, he actually spent most of the season playing in the Pro League with uh, uh, with the KHL in uh, Spartak, in Spartak, Moscow um so despite this uh most scouts actually have him ranked in the third or fourth round although for brandon you have him all the way up at 36th and Ashley, you, you have him significantly further down at 132nd so uh outside of your top 100 for ashley inside the second round for brandon so uh brandon well, i'll put this back over to you to start uh what is it that you like about nikishan's game that has you uh that has him as a high second rounder
2: well i'm way more bullish than most on nikishan i'm willing to admit that and uh I think that's because of how much raw, untapped potential I see in this player. Um, he's very raw in his current state. He's someone that's going to take uh, a lot of patience uh, for some NHL and teams that whatever NHL team is to, the, to the step and take him, they're going to need some patience to wait for this kid, which I think is going to likely cause him to tumble down the draft board on draft bay. But he brings such a wide array of tools to the ice. And he played in a depth role this season for the most part with Tech Mosvah. Um, but while playing more prominent roles in the MHL, you got to see some of the raw tools this kid has and why I think he could be a real gym if the team's willing to wait and let this kid mature. Uh, he's a big blue liner. He's 6'3", just under a shade under uh, 200 pounds at the moment. Uh, he has this very tantalizing blend of physicality, mobility, and some surprising skill for a player of his profile, which reminds me a bit of P.K. Subban, actually, at the same age. Uh, mm. He skates well, can get up and down the ice with relative ease. Uh, he displays some really good puck skills, actually, as well. Uh, good puck carrier, uh, able to take the puck from his own zone and uh, carry it up the ice for his team. So he has some puck-moving ability to his game as well. And there's actually times where, in the MHL, especially last season, um, when he was playing with uh, uh, KSV before he moved over to Spartak, uh, there's some times I saw him actually just play keep-away with some players in the MHL. He has those, that ability to mm-hmm. dangle down low and uh, you know just keep pucks away from opposing players. Uh, defenders and such um and finally i think the thing that stands out to a lot of people is he's very physical and he loves to lay the body on opposing forwards um now as i mentioned he's very raw and that could be attributed to some hockey sense issues as he can be prone to making some poor reads and giving up offensive opportunities or losing possession of the puck because of those reads but he can also be somewhat raw in the things he does well even Um, his skating stride can be smoothed out a little bit like i said he has some good speed but his acceleration isn't always quite there um, and with his physicality, he can get a little carried away and take some bad pound release or throw some borderline hits. Um, but for a team that's willing to be patient, I think Niketian's upside and what he could be at his peak, it's not too dissimilar to a lot of the hype that Alexander Romanov is getting right now in Montreal, where he's that mobile, physical blue liner with offensive tools as well.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting to see uh, uh, his progression this season. And over to Ashley, uh, is there anything that has you less convinced of Nikishin?
1: Well, probably... A fair bit. Um, with Niketian, um there is that raw ability that he, he does display. And in in uh, small doses, you get um, senses that he has another level to his skating. You see that he has possibly more to offer in um, the way of his passing and vision. But the overall package for me personally with Nikitian It's, I'm just not sold. Um, His his skating improved, um, especially from last season to this season. And as the season went on, I think that he showed progress. But to me, unless he learns to iron out some kinks, he's going to have some real troubles. I mean, his nickname is Boom because he lowers the hammer and he loves to hit, which is great. I mean... If, if this guy can figure out his skating, become a better passer, um, show some more senses over 200 feet, I mean, you're talking a guy that can be sort of like a, you know, bad stereotype here, but like a Nikita Zadorov, he's got the size, um, can sort of play that similar role if need be, but for me, he is a lot more raw than what a guy like Zadorov was at the same age. Um, I just see at the next... I mean, the KHL is such a low-scoring league. I mean, and you can't take that away from him. But... And we haven't really seen a big sample from him at international level. Like, he's played three international games um, and they were under 17. So there's not a real... lot. I don't weight too much um, evaluation when it comes to, like, a single tournament because, you know, they can get thrown together. Plays, you know, look at Byfield, for example. um, You Mm -hmm. know, for his age, played lower down in the line. So... But when you look at his sample against his peers over, say, two or three seasons, there isn't one. Um, and yes, he's played in the men's league and the KHL in a depth role, but his size allowed him to do that. Um, and when you see a lot of the, the, the Russian blue liners that um, are able to skip, you know, sort of jump from the VHL almost straight to the KHL without an MHL stop, it's because of their size. And for me, Niketian, I think um, it's just going to be sort of like uh, Shakir Mukhmadolan. I think there's going to be times where, more often than not, where they're just going to be either caught flat-footed or they're going to be out of position. And especially Niketian, his willingness to sort of hit and to disrupt things physically is a way for him to negate. Um, one, he doesn't really like having the puck on his stick too much, especially under duress in his own end. So being able to hit and create space um, for himself and for his teammates, especially in the defensive zone, helps alleviate his deficiencies. It helps ridicule them. So for me, the hits are good. They're fun to watch. It's great. It's nice to see a defender actually step up, um, close his gap, and just flatten someone. But to me, he is going to probably be just out of position a lot. He's going to get you know probably skated around he's going to I just don't see anything there that I look at and I think even if he irons out that sort of uh, the poor gap control at times especially when he does want to come up and make a hit he hasn't got a, a overly great first pass out of his own zone so even if he doesn't hit and just wants to sort of you know push it to the outside, um, force the the play to the perimeter as such, and create a turnover with by, by stick or by you know checking along the boards. He doesn't really have that creativity to then look up ice and say, "Yep, um, I can th- I can make a good pass here." He likes open ice, which is fine, but he doesn't have to play under pressure under open ice. So I think there's a lot there that is red flagged, um, and I'm, I'm just not sold that there's one or two red flags that could be fixed i think there's more
0: yeah it, it's, it's interesting seeing his profile this season it's not one that comes up very often where uh he, he is a very raw prospect at the same time skill wise but he also definitely has that physical maturity that you don't see that very often at the draft which as you mentioned allowed him to play in the khl this season so uh i just want to go back to uh brandon just for a, re- a rebuttal um what do you, what do you see as maybe the 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 biggest things holding back Nikishin as being um, a top prospect in the draft?
2: I think overall it's just hockey sense and zone reads. I think especially, which I think is something that can definitely be ironed out if you give him, you know, like let, let him come to, to a few development camps, work with your NHL coaches, and learn how to play maybe just a little calmer, a little less res- like a little more reserved. Um, like I said, he, he reminds me a little bit of PK Subban because he has that kind of profile where at times he can be kind of like the bull in a China shop. You know, he's just going a hundred percent of the time. He doesn't know how to slow down his brain a little bit and just survey a little bit. He's always looking to go, go, go all the time. He's going for hits. He's pulling himself out of position because of that, where uh, I think if you can just take these, this raw skill set and just teach him that he doesn't always need to be going up hundred percent at players and he can slow down and just position himself in the offensive or the, in the, in the defensive zone rather. Um, he can become a better defensive player and overall just become a more sound player on your blue line where he's still going to have that upside with some good skating ability with some good uh, puck skills as well, where um, he should be able to play in all situations if you develop along, you know, the, the right way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it, there are definitely some differences. And I guess the red flags you guys observed with, with Nikitian but um, the, the one thing I think, uh, maybe it's less less of a factor, but just because the sense uh, this always comes up with the sense that they just don't like drafting Russians because that's, that so-called quote unquote Russian factor. Um, and I guess to Ashley, do you think that the Russian factor quote unquote is still a thing where maybe he, there's a risk of him not even coming over potentially, or is that, or is that something you even take taking into consideration with your scouting at this point?
1: I think in a way it has to, I mean, you look at um, the avalanche um, they've got a good prospect and, um, Danil Zoravilov, who is a really good defenseman over in the KHL. And at the end of the day, when I look at Nikishin, if the Russian factor is a factor, which I think in the back of a lot of um, scouts and GMs' mind it is, is that even if he doesn't pan out, I mean, the money on the table to play in the KHL as opposed to playing in the AHL or third-line minutes on, you know, a minimum deal... It's not as enticing. You get to stay home. You get to play big minutes um, in front of you, you know, in your home country for more money. Um, but at the end of the day, you can't really hold that against him. But, I mean, but Brandon having him ranked 36th, I mean, that that's his ranking. That's fine. And this is where we're probably going to have the one biggest disagreement. With this draft class, like the top-end defenseman, you know, Drysdale, Sanderson, they're, they're good. They're not what we've seen in previous drafts. So after that there's a bunch of guys. Like I really like the three Swedish guys, Grans, Andre, Walinda. I think they're really good. Um but after that there is that sort of uh, there's a cliff. I mean I mean we're talking guys like uh Gouley, Schneider being first rounders, which they probably end up will being. They will get reached for. But if you know you have a guy like uh Nikesian ranked to thirty sixth um in a draft where defence and finding defence, especially in the middle rounds, is going to sort of uh, be key and harder because there's going to be uh, it's going to be scarcer to have that talent in in those rounds. I don't know if I really want to be a team that reaches for a guy like him and has to wait, considering that there is other guys around in that sort of uh, those tiers and those rankings where you can probably uh, might be safer or. Might just have less uh, risk involved. So for me, why I have him so low is because there is going to be a premium through the middle rounds to actually hit um, on on defense. And for me, I just don't, I don't see it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned risk, and that's something that's kind of come up um, pretty much every episode on this podcast. It's just the the balancing of risk between prospects, and uh, there certainly is some some there certainly is a fair amount of risk in going with Niketian as you both kind of alluded to, but um, I I wanted to move on to the last prospect of discussion today and uh, that is Luke Tuck. So he's ranked kind of low on both of your lists actually, but uh, again, it was kind of tough to find many big differences between you guys. So I chose Luke Tuck for today. So uh, he's a left winger. He plays for the U.S.'s national development program. um, And for just, just over the general consensus, he's between uh, the second and third round in terms of projection. So, Uh, Ashley, you're taking the high ground on Luke Tuck today. You have him at 64th, uh, whereas Brandon, you have him uh, well below at 138th. So, uh, of course, there's a certain point in in a difference between rankings where uh, the differences between picks can be pretty small, but uh, still over 70 spots of a difference. So uh, let's start with Ashley this time. Uh, What's your assessment of of Luke Tuck's game?
1: Well, when I look at Tuck, I look at the size at 6'2". he's just a tad over 200 pounds. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I think that he has all the physical tools. I mean, he's strong on the puck. He's got good balance. Um, you look at his skating, he's not a speedster, but he's got a good first step and, and he's strong on his skates, which, which is a, a really good um, asset to have, especially if you don't have... Uh, great separation speed or or north-south speed, just being strong in your skates and actually be able to stay in the play if you you know can't um, make your own room as much. So I like that, but his size and strength to establish himself you know, in and around the dirty areas, um, it's a great skill to have. I mean, every you look at every team, you look at every power play, they basically need there's a, a bump guy. There's guys that... Use their frames well. Um, they're not necessarily the high skill guys, but he's got, I think he's got more t- actual talent than what we've seen this season. I think that he's got um, a lot to show, and, and I love his hands. I, I, I love his ability to elevate pucks in tight. Um, I, I just think in general that there's, when we talk risk versus reward, I think you look at a guy like Luke Tuck, and he's sort of doesn't blow you away with any, you know, underlying metrics. Uh, the eye test, he doesn't blow you away. But for me, I mean, it's the cycle game's good. The puck control's good. He's not afraid to, on the back check to, to go back and drive guys into the boards. He's a 200-foot player. And when you're sort of drafting in the the area where I think he, he deserves to go, you're looking at guys that um, can still... Um, win you hockey games, and he's not going to win you hockey games by, you know, going coast to coast. He's not going to win your hockey games by, um, you know, blowing you away with elite skill and being the best-skilled player on the ice, but his IQ is very apparent. Um, the anticipation uh, in transition both offensively and defensively is really good. He knows where the puck's going to be. He's got adequate skill and skating to get to where the puck is um, and where it's going to be. Um, and the fact that he's off the college too, I think I'm a real big fan of the NCAA and how um, it produces its, its prospects and how they develop in the, the NCAA. Um, he's going to get bigger too. I think he's going to add some more muscle to his frame. I, I see top six potential there. I mean, I think he can increase his offensive production a bit. Um, but the size, the skating, and the defensive uh, now that he shows, I think is somewhat – I think he's got a, got a high floor, um, and I think that he can play all situations. He can be the bump guy on your power play. I think kill penalties, and he's going to be a really solid top middle six winger that's going to uh, be a real pest on the ice.
0: Interesting, and, and I'll put it over to Brandon uh, just to show his side. What has you was convinced of Tuck as a top prospect?
2: Well, when I watch Tuck play, I think the thing that stands out is – I've. I find it so difficult to find that one defining trait to his game. Um, some players that play with high skill or smarts, or they open up the ice with physicality. But tuck to me, he seems like the perfect moniker of jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, you know, because uh, yeah. he skates he skates well, but he's not a burner. He's not gonna open up space with his legs. Um, his hands and his puck control are fine, but he's not gonna. You're never gonna see him dangle a guy's socks off or open up space with just raw skill. Um, he's a smart player. He plays a 200 foot game pretty well, but. He's not the kind of guy you see pick apart defenses with their vision or their smarts while you see someone like Marco Rossi do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing that stood out the most in terms of a defining trade is he's fairly strong on the puck and he plays down low in the offensive zone pretty well, uh, which I think that bodes well for transitioning to the program. And I think in that sense his overall makeup. It reminds me a little bit of Dinosaur Zubris off the top of my head just with how, low, how well he's able to play down low in the offensive zone and play off that cycle. Um, now, he is committed to a really good program at Boston University, so maybe that's where he can develop some more high-end aspects to his game, uh, playing in you know a good college program where they develop players for the pro game very well. I think, um, but what you're getting with him right now, I think at this moment, I see more of a bottom half of your forward lineup type player, which it makes me a little weary in taking a player like that in the second round. And I just I simply see more forwards ahead of him that. They have more upside in terms of skill or explosiveness that I'd rather bet on and then focus on finding you know, more depth players maybe in the third or fourth round, which is where I see Tuck as a better bet.
0: Yeah, totally. And, and you mentioned his, his, his commitment to Boston University. It doesn't start till 2021, but um, I, generally, personally, I take that as, as a decent sign that recruiters tend to like his game. Um, so uh, just going back to Ashley, um, do you see his commitment to Boston University as a plus?
1: No, for sure. I'm I'm a, I'm a massive fan of the NCAA, um, college hockey in general, and and yeah. just the development strides that um, players seem to make in the NCAA these days. I think it's it's a real plus. And yeah, being you know going to a program such as as BU. Um, it shows that he he is on the radar. I mean, it shows that teams see and and when you think about you know the college game, he has got sort of a, a college hockey style game. Like you know, he sort of plays big and he plays that sort of style. He's not like the run and gun sort of OHL high high you know high octane offensive type players. So he's going to into the NCAA where he will have a fit. Um, so. I think I think it's a real plus, and and I, I can see where Brandon's coming from. You know, if you're talking second, third round, um, there are guys with higher skill um, and more standout traits than what uh, Luke Tuck does. But um, there's an air of you know when you're drafting players, sometimes you have to put risk aside and basically just aim for bodies because when you're drafting, you know, you these are players that you want on your roster, whether it be. Two seasons, three seasons, four seasons, five seasons. It doesn't matter. These are guys that you want to be able to contribute to your team in some form. Um, And Luke Tuck has a high floor. He's got a sort of uh, NHL-ready frame. He plays at a a good style where it is conducive to to pro-level hockey. And I think um, he's going to showcase that. Um, Obviously, he's got the NCAA commitment, as you said, in uh, two seasons' time. So... It's going to be interesting. I think that I think he's uh, got a lot more to show, and I think that he is um, a tad underrated. But when it comes to like a, a guy like Brett Barad, um, who I have just mm-hmm. ahead of him, like he obviously is, is smaller, uh, different style of play, but um, he has that, uh, as Brandon said, he has more of a, a skill set that jumps out at you. Um, but I don't think there's much between the two.
0: Yeah, it's interesting when you frame all these. Uh uh u.s development prospects together because especially compared to last year um i mean the the, the classic u.s players is definitely not nowhere near as close to what we saw as like the historic class of 2019 so I, i'm wondering um just over to brandon for the last rebuttal um do you think that maybe that because he he was able to play in an increased role maybe that there wasn't as much uh there wasn't really as many star players to watch on on the u.s roster this year do you feel that maybe do you feel that maybe inflated his rankings at all just because he's uh Uh, Playing for an esteemed program like that? It's definitely
2: possible. I mean, players that play for the U.S. program, they always have that pedigree to them. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think think there is a bit of a tendency to, you know, just see players that have that pedigree of being named to that team and say, well, you know, look at the players that have been, that played for that team. You know, look, it's a long list of great players that have broken in the NHL. This kid's got to have game. This kid has to, you know, it's got to be at least a second or third rounder. Um, And I just, I think when you watch them, I just don't quite see that trait that's going to make him a second line forward. I think he's more of a depth player, at least at this time. Um, and I, I also don't find it's you know the kind of thing where he's, he played lower in a lineup so he wasn't able to contribute as much offensively because in the most recent game I watched for the for the development program, he got to play with Thomas Bordelow, who I think is probably their top forward this year. And mm-hmm. it was more of the same thing where uh, he was a decent facilitator for in-zone play, played well down low, but he wasn't really the driving force uh offensively for that line and i think that's kind of more of the player you're going to get there is more of a complimentary piece rather than a player that you can plug in and play a prime role in your top six
0: yeah interesting and uh yeah it would definitely be interesting seeing how these he's these usdp players follow this year because of course we don't have any uh jack hughes type player this year right or any of the other top stars that we saw last year so um it'll be uh interesting to see where they fall in the draft so uh to end off these episodes uh that because that was the end of the debate portion just want to end off the episodes with uh giving you both the chance to just, just do a, just to shout out some of your personal favorite prospects just some potential uh sweeper picks maybe in your later rounds uh so we'll start with brandon first uh so who are your some who are some of your favorites this year
2: well i, w- I wanted to give you some guys that uh you know maybe you could see them go maybe the fourth round and on, you know, a little bit deeper sleepers, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've really liked what I've seen out of Josh Lawrence this year, who's a center for the St. Mm. John sea dogs, uh, is a very small, but shifty player. And I'm, I found he's been very effective this season as a puck carrier for the sea dogs. Um, he's adept at creating zone entries and, uh, with his skating ability and his vision. So I'm curious to, to see if he's due for more of an uptick in points next year in the queue with maybe some more development over the summer and some more ice time. Uh, and it's sticking with more of a a theme of some small guys. I've also very, (laughs) really liked uh, Merrick Balaha, who's a defenseman from Sparta Praha over in the Czech Republic. Um, And he's very small. He stands around five, seven and 132 pounds. So that size is going to scare some teams off. I think, which I think you might see him fall under those later rounds, but he's got that coveted right shot and his mobility and his Ross game ability, I think is some of the smoothest among his peers with the way he's able to get up and down the ice and, skate in the offensive zone with the puck on his stick uh very smooth player um and his offensive smarts are quite good as well as he put up uh 27 points this year in 33 games over in the czech juniors uh and i guess the last player i would want to shout would be vitaly pinchuk who's a forward for the kingston front next. it's a belarusian import who played outside of kingston's top line away from shane Wright, martin chromiak and Zaid wisdom but mm-hmm. he's a fairly skilled forward in his own right with some offensive ability uh, his hands are quite good he has some capable one-on-one offensive skills. And uh, I think his toolkit as a goal scorer with the shot that he has, as well is fairly underrated. Um, I think it's very possible he goes undrafted because he didn't quite, you know, blow people's uh, hair back with his offensive totals this year. But I think he could be in for a pretty big D plus one if he's able to get some more playing time with some high-powered linemates next year.
0: Yeah, well, well, some interesting picks for sure. And over to Ashley, uh, same question. Uh, who are some of your sweeper picks this year?
1: Um... One guy that I was really high on at the start of the season, it didn't wasn't the season that um, he'd hoped for, and that is uh, Ville um who was with Kitchener. Mm. Really, really weird season for him. Um, he came over um, after winning uh, the it was the, voted the best defenseman in the junior B um, in Finland. Um, came over as a mm-hmm. second round. Uh, import draft pick of the 35th, top of my head. Um, he started off really well. He had, uh, what was it? He had, yeah, it was six points in the first 15 games. And is he's four, right-handed shot, um, near 200 pounds. He's got this really intriguing um, uh, skill set. I mean, he can show flashes. Like, he's not really quick but he's got this really long, clean stride. It's a really, really pretty stride to look at, actually. Um, and he can go... He can take the puck coast to coast, and he's got really good soft hands, especially in tight when he's um, pinching up, jumping up into the play. He's got a, a really good shot. He just didn't do it consistently enough. He had, um, as I said, the six points in the first 15 games, and then he had five in the next 38 Um and a bit of a head-scratcher here for me, he was basically the only true right-handed shot defenseman um, on the whole Kitchener team. Um, and they went and traded for um, Holden Whale and he got bumped back down the, um, the depth chart again. And he sort of got stuck. He still showed glimpses. Um, he's really solid in his own, own end. He's a good decision maker. It just wasn't there. It just didn't work for him this, this season in the IHL. So um, he's signed to go back over into the league with Carpat. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: It's going to be interesting to see how he actually goes because I think he got blanketed a bit this season. I don't think he got a, a real good adjustment period. He was bounced around up and down um, the defensive pairings and then sort of got buried. So he's one guy I really want to see have a big D plus one because I think that he's got a really raw skill set. But at the same time, the upside for him is huge. He's got great size, great athleticism. Um, he's a good skater. Great hockey senses. Great. It's just a matter of putting them all together now for a full season. I think going back uh, to Finland will help that. Another guy that I love, um, I think, could be... I've really seen him... Uh, ranked inside um, the fourth round match is a guy that I really like. Is uh, Oliver Tanstrom out of the Super Elite with Aik? This guy is carried a, a really bad team this season. Um, really direct player, really high skill. is not afraid to take a defense on. Sometimes it's, he just does it by himself. He can take it, you know, end to end and score. And, and and he finishes. He's got really good hands in tight. Um, He plays really well in the cycle. He's constantly moving, always looking for um, the advantageous positions on the ice uh, offensively. Um, Really young too. As Ottavainen too, that they're August birthdays, so they've got a lot of time. And with Tanstrom too, he was the 13th forward a lot of the time um, this season for for Sweden uh, as under 18 levels. So I think that with his age... He didn't really get to showcase much when it comes to international play. I think uh, coming into next season, I think that he's going to get more opportunity. Um, And to continue with AIK, I think that he's going to just get better. And I think he's a guy that um, doesn't get enough attention. I think he's got really good individual skills, Um, utilises his teammates well. He's definitely one for watch. And one last one for me is um, Daniel Amazurin. Uh, from uh, Tulpa in the UH, Tulpa in the MHL. Skating is the question mark, but this guy had 24 goals on the season, 23 at even strength. He can finish from anywhere. um, I like the way that he had um, by play with his teammates. He doesn't necessarily keep up with the play greatly, but his ability to find the soft spots in behind... And sort of lead the next wave of offense is really impressive. This guy can bury pucks from a lot of angles, from distance, um, in close. He's got a really deceptive shot release, um, a lot of weight on his shot. Um, I like the way he positioned himself over 200 feet as well. He can play centre or wing. Um, I think he's better suited as a winger simply because his skating does need work and I don't think he can hold the centre ice as much as he can, you know, being a. a a perimeter player, a peripheral winger. But this guy, if you're talking one of the better releases, he's got a a hell of a shot. And I think that if someone's willing to take a gamble around the fourth round on him, um, and you you put him with a a really creative centre that needs a scoring winger, if you can be patient, if you can let him work on his skating, work on his hockey senses a bit, to round out with that shot, you could have a hell of a player
0: for sure, and it's definitely some food for thought for some uh, potential late-round players when, with the Sens having all their picks this year. It'll be interesting to see who they end up going with. But I really appreciate you guys coming on today to share your thoughts on these prospects. But uh, before we go, uh, the listeners need to know where to find your work. So uh, we'll start with Ashley first, and then Brandon second. Uh, where can we find your work?
1: Well, um, I'm a contributor for Double Prospects. And just recently, I've teamed up with Brandon, actually, we, on his page, Riding Pine Hockey. Um, Mm -hmm. I've jumped on board with him. We're trying to get the best um, uh, draft information out there as we can, and it's all for free. So you'll find me at Riding Pine Hockey, um, at Dobber and at Colorado Hockey Now, working with Adrian Data. um, Do some uh, in-depth analysis stuff there on CHN. uh, But mostly you'll find me just doing my own thing and with Brandon at Riding Pine.
0: Awesome. And Brandon, where can we find your work? Also at Riding Pine, I imagine?
2: Yeah, you can <laughs> also find me over at Riding Pine. You'd yeah, um, hope sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, also over, over at Dauber. Uh, I help contribute for the Lightning Covert coverage over at Dauber <laughs> Prospects. Um, and then I'm also a contributing writer over at DraftKeyCocky. Uh, so you can find my stuff over there. And Ashley and I we also have our own podcast, which is uh, Painting Prospects. So we already had a few episodes and Including a recent interview episode with uh, Tyson Forrester, James Hardy, and Yanni Yermo. So, uh, should always some more uh, draft content to listen to if you're in for some more podcasts. Yes,
1: and and we've just just recently I finished up an interview with two um, studs from the queue, and we've got a couple um, OHL guys lined up, which I know has Brandon very excited. Nice.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward, guys. Yeah, definitely, uh, listeners, check out Riding Pine, uh, check out Painting Prospects. Uh, that's all for today's episode. Thanks, Brandon and Ashley, for your time. Uh, really appreciate you joining. As a wrap it up, a reminder that you can find the cost per Pointcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And if you really like it, you can rate and review it on those platforms as well. You can find me on Twitter at CudmoreCollin and read my writing over at silver 7 Cents. And for Trevor, even though he wasn't on this episode, you can find him on Twitter at ShaqTS. And for the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at CPPointCast, where you will be the first to be notified of future episodes, as well as be able to submit listener questions for future episodes. We'll be back again next week with two more episodes of Draft DraftBaters. Uh, but for the meantime stay safe everyone and that's all for today folks adios